0: chapter ten of a superfluous woman by emma frances brooke this librivox recording is in the public domain read by bruce peary the small hours of monday morning were washed with showers when colin opened his cottage door the clouds had cleared and the sun shone but a fragrant smell of rain lingered in the air and a grateful moisture intensified the hues of the heather the myriad tints and flash and flame of color it will rain again before noon said colin his eyes fixed on the clear hue of a distant hill behind which a small but ominous tail of cloud streamed up into the ether ay said old rory staring about with open mouth to supplement the dimness of his eyes lad are ye rememberin' how ye promised john mackenzie to take the cart up to drynock called mrs mcgillivray a woman with a voice sharpened by retrospective grievances i'm not forgettin', returned colin and he stepped out on the moor and went toward the fields his head up his brow stern with some tenacious resolve but his eyes were soft as they followed the long lines of the oat-fields the green still faintly sprinkled amid the gold and the blades bowed with the heaviness of ripening tawny red when the dinner hour came colin appeared again in the cottage there was an unaccustomed weariness in his face and he wiped the sweat from his brow though he had not been putting any great force into his work and though the morning was fresh indeed new clouds hurried up in the sky and a wind had arisen mrs mcgillvary pushed a smoking-plate of porridge toward him as he seated himself at the table he took a spoonful and dipped it in the milk but he did not eat with appetite ye were takin the cart to drynock for john asked his mother her eye anxiously fixed on old rory's somewhat uncertain operations with the spoon i was workin in the barn returned colin aweel lad put in old rory john will be ell pleased with ye maybe answered colin he fed himself again with the porridge but his hand was unsteady and underneath the ruddy sunburn his cheek was pale presently he put his spoon down and stared fixedly at the closed door then he rose opened it and looked out this happened twice what will be ailing ye, laddie cried his mother i was thinkin somebody was knockin returned colin confusedly mother i've done and i'll be going out to see after the horse but you're not through with that porridge i have done though a body need not be eating more than he wants it will be a sinful waste it will be a worse if i was chokin' myself good save us the lad is ill staring at the door like a bogle and leaving good porridge on the achette i'm all right mother answered colin correcting some confusion of face by a smile then he went to the outhouses and fetched a halter and walked down among the heathery hollows where his horse stood thrusting his nose into the purple tufts and cropping them short colin brought him up to the cart and harnessed him it will be an easy thing said he with a grim look to see the way clear when a body's in the kirk and when nothing comes betwixt the talkin' of the heart and the laird. i was meanin john mackenzie to fetch the cart himself to dry and to go for the coal his lane when a body is clean daft he must be his own keeper let folks think what they will but good save me if i can bear her knockin at my heart and at the door of my cot any longer and not make answer then he took the way to dry knock you are late colin said mackenzie as his friend pulled up the cart in front of the creeper-covered porch i am late he responded shortly ah will there will be the whole afternoon before us and time enough will be as good as any time i'm thinkin'. oh yes you will be comin' with me we can load the cart quicker together colin leaned back against his horse and did not immediately respond his eyes sought through the open door of the kitchen for a glimpse of the bright presence of jessamine the kitchen was empty Mrs. Mackenzie's dolly-tub stood with some of the wet linen hanging on the side. A heap of unwashed things were tossed on the settle. He glanced round the yard and the garden, and then he caught sight of Mrs. Mackenzie standing near the road and looking up it, her hand shading her eyes before he had responded to mackenzie's request she turned round and walked toward them some perturbation of mind disturbing the habitual serenity of her brow colin said she were you not passin miss halliday along the road as you were comin i was passin no one returned colin his heart thumping i'm frettin' a bit over her i'd very much rather she would just be taking her walks about the moor and the roads but she was ever very wellful since she came and this morning she would not hearken to counsel colin did not reply he looked hard at mrs mackenzie and it seemed to him that he was staring at a dark place whence words which he knew beforehand would issue ominously and so for all I was sayin continued mrs mackenzie she must take her way this mornin through the deer forest and up to Craggin Moor carryin her bit lunch in her hand Colin turned sharply to mackenzie as though to respond to his request I have work to do said he i will not be comin with you bide a wee Colin cried mrs mackenzie well the deer begettin' dangerous the lassie has been gone a weary time and storm is gatherin ay they well begettin' dangerous and without another word he turned on his heel leaped over the fence and ran back toward doll faber and on to the deer forest at the top of his speed that morning jessamine had waked with a sore heart i will not work said she what does anything matter i wish there were somewhere for me to hide myself and lose myself that i might cry all the tears out of my heart and no one see it is horrible to be despised mrs mackenzie prepared for the weekly washing after breakfast and put the cups and saucers aside for jessamine's share of the work then she set the inner door open and presently looking up saw the girl standing there the dark dusty little staircase down which she had just descended throwing off her profile with its delicate pale despondency the rays of spare light tenderly touching the curves of her cheek and the ruffled rings of her dark hair and tracing the fair slim lines of her figure mrs mackenzie looking at her penetratingly in the brief moment when she dangled her hat in her hand before raising her eyes and speaking read in her mien a total disruption of the morning's arrangements and sighed then occurred that little passage between good counsel and wilfulness which she had described to colin when the girl had taken her basket and passed out, Mrs. Mackenzie stepped to the door and looked after her with the steady benediction of her motherly eyes. The lassie's young," said she and it's an ell thing when one's young to get properly acquaint with one's own heart seems like as though we started life with a stranger in the bosom who will be taken up a deal of our good time when we're a bit settled down in life we get used to it and leave taken so much note of what will be goin on in our own insides and we will just be rememberin that others insides will be in the same ill chance as our own good send she comes to no harm jessamine whose small bark of experience was far from being anchored by this tranquil wisdom was attracted by the width and silence and loneliness of the fir-woods, and fancied that she could sit all day among the trees and solve the problems of her heart by thinking of them. The wood was fenced on one side. There was a road through it, but the gate was locked. Therefore an entrance into the place involved a climb of some kind the locking of the gate which was done to the high inconvenience of the people of the place was the act of the proprietor a man who lived in the country for one month in the year and shot over the land but the road had been closed for many weeks beyond this one month and when jessamine had climbed the fence she found about her an untrodden wildness which delighted her the road was heather-covered the cart-ruts showing only as deep lines of shadow among the rank purple blooms spiders webs woven from tuft to tuft glittered with the raindrops which the sun had not yet licked up and the bluish translucent mist which hovered beneath the thick growing branches of the young firs was pierced with shafts of brilliant untouched color purple and crimson heaths emerald ferns carmine fungi blood-red cranberry leaves rich browns and pale variegated lichens above between the fine lace of the topmost branches the blue of the sky was of unfathomed depth and over it the hurry and disorder of wisp-like clouds kept passing at intervals like the ranks of a flying squadron Amid this undisturbed loveliness, the girl went slowly with her graceful, dainty tread, swinging her basket in her hand and lifting her fair face to receive the painting of the sun. It was lonely to eeriness, but her health was splendid, and in nerve and fibre she was strong. As to danger, inexperience forbade her to conceive it possible the road wound upward almost to the top here bare crags escaped from a dwindling edge of trees and lifted their scarred sides to the sky the point of the hill was called Craggan moor and it was jessamine's first design to reach the summit but before she was halfway up she saw between the branches a place almost clear of the wood and where the heather spread bare and purple then she left the road and pushing through the thicket reached the heather and flung herself down to rest from her position she commanded a good view of the country among the more familiar landmarks she saw the lock that lay below d'alfaber and on the moor above the brown thatched cottage fixing her eyes upon it she clasped her hands round her knees and began to think This was her first half-conscious recognition of the fact that she was nearing her own life problem. She had been instructed by Aunt Arabella into the duty of a girl to repress feeling, to hold herself poised between relative advantages until the event culminated from the outside. As to her own nature, of that she had heard nothing passion she had been taught was an offensive word and an unladylike allusion but dicta of this kind have been proved before now ineffectual when genuine emotion is in question what she was feeling might be right or wrong decorous or indecorous that was not the point she partly realized that she did feel that her heart hitherto cold and virginal as snow was melting and opening beneath an influence that was as new as it was strange so self-conscious a creature as jessamine could not wholly miss this change in herself nor the subtle delight of the entrance of the fresh experience within she was far more inclined to yield to and dally with her sensations than to direct them there were not in her whole repertory any reasons at all for conduct one way or another except the reason that a course was comme il faut or not comme il faut as the case might be and this was not likely to prove efficient before the strongest of the natural impulses it was true she possessed a vein of hard appreciation of the advantageous as distinguished from the disadvantageous in a worldly point of view that however if it ever came to a severe struggle between inclination and moral force was only likely to weaken the decision by confusing the issue great decisions are won only upon clear simple lines and it is merely a sign of feeble character to take too many points into consideration when resolutions have to be made jessamine had just reached the phase when the stirring of her nature like the rising of the sap in spring threw her upon an unusual activity of mind as well as body her whole self putting out new buds and leaves here and there and everywhere of thought and feeling and beauty and health she was occupied at present with the unmixed delight which characterizes the opening of a passion before the more difficult stages are reached but her acute little mind seized at once on that general opposition which is sure to meet an individual excursion from the realm of the accustomed and she felt it already as an injustice as a too great demand upon personal sacrifice to be required to keep to a beaten path which she had had no responsibility in shaping which she had been taught was advantageous but had had no means of trying for herself and which indeed in the initial stages she already cordially hated unawares mingled with the perceptiveness of her thinking it was pictorial rather than reasoned yet the sense of contrast between this dawning spontaneity and the flat range of her former ideas of life was clear enough and she discovered it to be alluring it was scarcely a deliberate meditation into which she fell thoughts hitherto strangers passed into her mind without her knowing how or why a sense of greatness overshadowed her of isolation a prevision freed from the tiresome details which she had been wont to call Considerations. For when nature is very near, she has a hand with which to touch the remote springs and to bring to the surface hidden and unspoken matters which lie slumbering within. Chapter ten.